and welcome to our podcast, Within the Mist, a hidden place where we walk into the dark and clouded unknown. I am your fine-feathered friend of a host, Gary, here to entertain and inform you about the likes of cryptids, ghosts, and other mysteries. I am joined today by my chirp, chirp, chirping wife and co-host, Goldie Ann. <laughs> Hi, Gary. Hello, Goldie Ann. Chirp, chirp. Chirp, chirp. For all of our fine-feathered friends today. Okay. Now, we are back, and we have some big changes and improvements coming. I don't want to delay today's huge story, so I'll just add the announcements a little at a time. But if you want a sneak peek into what's going on, please sign up on our social media, either Facebook and Instagram, and you'll get the head start of what we're doing today. For today, I will let everyone know that Within the Mist is back to producing daily TikTok videos. These minutes within the mist are about two to three minutes long, and they cover a brief story of a particular cryptid, ghost, or other mystery. The best part of these short videos is that you can find them either on TikTok or on our YouTube channel. And I'll be sure to put the links on our show notes. So that'll be our announcement for this week. Okay. So, Goldie Ann, what is your opinion of birds? I don't like them. Well, I don't know. I guess my opinion has changed over the years because I used to not like them. I was very scared of them because my sister uh, and her best friend sent their their duck Daffy after me and it would bite my heels. But So you were attacked by a a rabid duck? So I've never really liked birds. Okay. But then we started going places, and I started feeding birds, and they're, they're kind of cool now. Okay. I'm not really afraid anymore. Well, it's good not to be afraid, or maybe after this story, you might still have a reason to be afraid, but... Oh, great. In general, uh, most birds you don't have to be afraid of. Now, I wasn't a big fan of birds either, because my father used to have this cockatiel, not the big white cockatoo, but this is a smaller uh, cockatiel-type bird. And he would let it fly loose, and this thing would make a beeline for everything of mine and chew it apart. What? Yeah, I had I had all of my books and stuff on the bookshelves and stuff, and he would purposely fly to it and then start ripping the shreds out of them. No one else's, just yours. Just mine. He did not like me at all. Wow. So I was not a big fan of birds either. That's kind of funny. Oh, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. My childhood pain. Okay. Will well, be the we... next topic at the Thanksgiving dinner. Yeah. Yeah, be sure you ask my father about him. His name was Bo. Bo. But with that in mind, Goldie Ann, do you know what a funny chicken is called? Cockadoodle-doo? <laughs> no. A comedy hen. Oh, my God. Sure. Okay. We're back with those two, huh? Those have to be in place. Can't do a show without them. But today's episode involves terrifying encounters with a winged creature that soars the dark night skies. These may be upsetting to some of our listeners. I'm upset already. Well, I'm here for you. Okay. We are storytellers who have gathered information on some of our favorite mysteries to bring to you. We don't attempt to scare our listeners on purpose. Well, maybe just a little. Listener discretion is always advised. 
It was the lightning that revealed the foul creature. The deafening boom accompanied by the sky's illuminations exposed it perched atop the building for any brave enough to come out into the midnight storm. The creature and the dark skies seemed to be one force of nature. With crimson eyes incapable of blinking, it peered down at the building on the opposite side of the street. The building was the only one still open at this late hour. The tavern was almost empty, except for the last few hardcore patrons receiving last call before making their drunken ways back to whatever shelters they called home. The creature remained unmoved with talons grasping upon the ledge, digging into the concrete as easily as paper. With black wings surrounding its man-sized frame, it enveloped it into a shadow of its own design. Every aspect of this bird-like creature described it as a predator waiting to swoop from its lofty perch onto its unsuspecting victim below as soon as it exited the building. It knew that soon it would fly down once more as it had done for centuries as it made its way from the legends of Mexico and into the Texas of the 1970s. Some of its origins were tied to ancient Greek mythology while others may be much older, dating back to the days of flying dinosaurs. Even the Native Americans of Texas spoke of it in whispers in the power that it commanded. Today, we will dare to take a trip within the mist and look into the dark skies as we discuss the Texas Big Bird. The popularity of the Texas Big Bird has fluctuated over the years, but I was able to find some incredible resources on the subject. So we're not talking Big Bird. Big yellow bird, Sesame Street. We will be Friend touching upon him. Oh, okay, cool. But most of my research didn't come off of the PBS TV show. It came out of a book called Big Bird, Modern Sightings of Flying Monsters by Ken Gerhardt. All righty then. To trace the very beginning of the origins of when these encounters started, we can look back to the history of the Native American tribes that lived in the San Antonio, Texas area. Even before the Spanish discovered San Antonio and Texas, many Native American tribes that lived in this area told of legends about giant creatures that guarded the skies. Some of these tribes called these creatures the Thunderbirds a 10-foot-tall bird with a wingspan that was more than 10 feet. Some of these folklores claimed that the Thunderbird was even mystical in powers and could create powerful winds, dangerous storms, and could shoot lightning out of their wings. In every Native American legend, the creature was described as powerful and very intelligent, almost godlike. Depictions of the Thunderbird could be found on the several totem poles in various Native American cultures, where it usually appears at the very top, sometimes with teeth inside of its beak. The origins of this Thunderbird are largely unknown. 
Some researchers believe that the Thunderbird legend is based on sightings of real birds, with some even posing the argument that early sightings could have been from descendants of the pterodactyl dinosaur species. Because of this, the Thunderbird goes from being merely a mythological creature to possibly being a survivor of extinction. Now, when the Spanish colonized San Antonio, many of the colonists believed that the Thunderbird legends were just stories and myths, since they had never seen such a creature resembling the Thunderbird. However, that would change in 1975 when people began reporting seeing a creature resembling the Thunderbird creature flying across the Texas skies. Chapter 2. The Strange Rumors of October 1975. The first modern rumors of strange flying bees started in October 1975 in a place called Robstown, Texas, which lies just up the coast near Corpus Christi. One notable sighting was rumored to have taken place from a school playground, which spawned some humorous editorials about the monster sighting in Corpus Christi newspaper. The stories of seeing giant birds in the skies was treated more as a joke to the newspaper reporters than as anything serious or dangerous. Around that same time period, stories of a half-human, half-bird were also trickling out of Rio Grande City in Star County to the west. Locals in that town whispered that this man-bird could be seen some nights perched on the roof of a local tavern while other times it lurked on the roof of the county courthouse. By the end of November, whatever this flying thing was had polarized the community of Cameron County. Of these reports was a terrified San Benito man who rushed into the local police station and stated that he had just seen the monster bird when he exited a tavern. Now, as you might think, he was probably a drunk, but he swore I'm not drunk. I'm sober, but I saw it, he told the officers on duty. <laughs> Soon after that incident, two children also stopped by the station to also report a large bird, adding that the animal had a bald head and a face like a monkey. Where'd my bat go? Human face, bat face, some similarities. Okay. Nobody took these sporadic stories seriously, and most chuckled when they read about them in the newspapers. They had no idea that terror was about to happen next. Chapter 3, New Year's Day, 1976. Dun, dun, dun. On January 1st of 1976, 11-year-old Tracy Lawson and her 14-year-old cousin Jackie Davis were playing in Tracy's backyard which faced a plowed field on Ed Carey Road in South Harlington, Texas. As the two girls played, they spotted something strange, looking and standing next to the irrigation canal that was about 75 to 100 yards away. Lawson, frightened yet intrigued, ran back to the house. She was quick to grab some binoculars in order to get a closer look. When she returned, she did not see the large bird she expected, but more of a mysterious monster. They claimed that they observed a 
horrible-looking five-foot-tall man-slash-bird with a face like a gorilla possessing enormous red eyes. The creature looked back at them and seemed to be a black bird with wide, bunched-up wings. Though whatever it was, it was leering back at them in the yard as they played. It continued to stare directly at them for as long as the children were out in the backyard. It was hungry. <laughs> that could be a possibility. Then, just as suddenly as the two girls saw it, it let out an eerie, high-pitched shriek and appeared to vanish, only to reappear a few minutes later on the northeast corner of the property, where it seemed to be peering at the two girls from behind the bushes. This apparently was the final straw as the creature was getting closer and closer. It sent Jackie and Tracy racing inside to wake Tracy's parents. Either unconvinced by the children's stories, or maybe the parents were feeling the excess of the previous evening's celebration of New Year's Eve, the parents refused to go outside and investigate at that time. Because these two girls were fairly young, their parents did not believe their story of the giant monster bird. Later, other unusual events will occur during the same day. That evening, their dog had cowered in the kennel, not wanting to come out and even eat. At one point, the dog had even bolted into the house and had to be dragged back outside. Also, there had been sounds of something scraping against one of the windows during the night. If the dog dies, I'm out. The dog survived, and the next day, Jackie's stepfather, Tom Walden, went outside and found the outside screen torn, though he couldn't remember if it had been a pre-existing condition or if something had scratched and ripped it apart. Their neighbor, Sergeant Sam Esparza of the San Benito Police, had stopped by to mention how he found bloodstains on two sheets that he had hung out to dry that same evening. It was as if, in his opinion, something had vomited half-digested food down the white sheets. That's gross. Very gross. Their Doberman had also cowered inside the house all night for no apparent reason. It seems the dogs knew more about what was going on than the people. Tom, the stepfather, decided to have a look around the property, and he stumbled upon some enormous three-toed tracks the next day in the area where the girls claimed they saw the creature. The prints were about eight inches wide across and a whopping 12 inches long. The first three tracks were near a fence right behind the house, with a fourth footprint impression 20 yards away and a fifth print lying 20 yards beyond that. It seemed that whatever it was had made progress of getting closer and closer to the house during the night. The tracks were squared at the head with a well-rounded impression in the back, and the entire footprint sank an inch and a half deep in the ground, showing that whatever it was was very heavy. 
Tom excitedly called his wife at work. Soon after, he alerted Tracy's father, Stan, along with the local sheriff's office. When all the people and all the parties had gathered at the location a little while later, 170-pound Stan attempted to set his own footprint in the same ground and was unable to make an indention that was anywhere near as deep as those found. Word of this strange event quickly reached Harlington Television Station, KGBT, who sent out a camera crew to film the strange going-ons. When this terrifying story ran on the evening news the following night, it created a quiet buzz around the valley. Many people were beginning to question if the stories had actual merit to them, as more and more people admitted to seeing the same type of creature. Chapter 4 Police Sighting of the Creature, January 7, 1976 It was during the wee hours of January 7th that a San Benito, Texas police officer named Arturo Batilla claimed to have seen something extraordinary in the headlights of his cruiser before it perched itself on the hood of his patrol car. Wow. So this got very close. Padilla described the creature as looking like a really big bird. <laughs> approximately 5 feet in height with a 12-foot wingspan. As striking as the proportions of this avian anomaly are, far and away the most intriguing aspects of this flying fiend was that it had a bald head and simian-like features, complete with the bright red eyes. Question, what's that? What's what? Simeon. Simeon is monkey. Okay. So again, we're back with the gorilla, chimpanzee, monkey face. Monkey face, monkey boy. Well, monkey bird. The officer reported the incident to his superiors in the hopes of warning the entire police force of what they saw. However, the case was described as a misidentification of a large pelican. Some within the Harlington Police Department hoped that this would be the end of the story, but they soon learned that this was just the beginning. So the police force was calling this whole case a misidentification of a pelican. Hmm. Okay. I don't know how a... Monkey-faced pelican? Yeah, I don't see how that could happen, but that's where we're going with so far. But almost immediately following this initial encounter... Padilla's colleague, Officer Homer Galvin, also reported seeing the thing, but due to his distant proximity, he was much farther away, all he was able to discern was a large black winged creature silhouetted against the sky. Chapter 5, Guajardo's Trailer, January 7, 1976. Alverco Guajardo, was at his trailer home on the 7th of January, 1976, in Brownsville, Texas. While having dinner, a crash hit the side of his trailer, disrupting his meal with his family. Unknown who or what was attacking their home, he went outside to confront the culprit, armed with a steak knife. In the I dark. Yeah. In the dark and laying on the ground was the crumpled body of an exceptionally large creature. 
Because it was so dark out, Alverico went to his station wagon and turned on its headlights to get a better look. The bright lights from the car alerted the unconscious body because it regained focus and rose towering to its feet. The man, only armed with a steak knife, stood face to face with a bird, but not a bird, like something from another planet. The creature was four feet tall with large wings folded against its body, huge, terrible-looking eyes, and a thin, very thin, three- to four-foot-long beak rested on its face. However, the rest of it didn't look more like a bird but resembled an ape or possibly a bat. So now we're getting descriptions of a nose, or at least a beak, but being very thin and on the face of an ape or a bat. <laughs> I mean, bats have little tiny snouts, kind of look like beaks. Maybe, but kind of hard to imagine it on this creature. The bird monster was unlike anything he had ever seen before and was beginning to make deep, pulsating noises from within its throat while peering back at Alverico. Was this a challenge, or was he threatening him away? Maybe he was hurt and he was asking for help. That's possible, too. In any case, there was a few minutes of a standoff between the two. Then, the creature backed away, step by step, until it was out of the light in the car. In the shadows, it suddenly vanished. The eyewitness reported that, quote, I was scared. It's got wings like a bird, but it's not a bird. That animal is not from this world. Whatever the creature was, Guajardo never discovered why it targeted him or what its true dark intentions were towards him or his home. So why don't I ever run into these kind of creatures? Actually, I might have an answer for that. Okay. You, this is the answer I have for you. Okay. Chapter 6, La Lechuza and the Harpies. The descriptions of this creature do resemble another legend that's been told from Europe to Texas. And it suggests La Lechuza. While the straight translation of Lechuza into English is owl, La Lechuza is more than that. La Lechuza is a legendary creature from Mexican folklore, and it usually describes a bruja, or a witch, bruja. who can transform into an owl but still retain her human face and hair. So this is a woman-slash-bird creature. Some tales say that she is the size of regular owls, but others say that she takes the size of her human form. Interestingly, all of the big bird's victims happened to be men, usually men that had been drinking. These men reported feelings of being watched and hearing strange whistling before the animal tried to grab them by their shoulders and carry them away. According to the legends, La Lachuza's prey of choice is drunken men, which is probably why you've never seen one. Ah. And it might be why it appeared suddenly on New Year's Day. After all the New Year's Eve parties okay. is another possibility because 
Lachusa, definitely her favorite attack target is drunk men. Okay. Now, now I don't have to worry about that then. Well, I'm she, dr- not drunk nor man. You over two. Now she kills not out of hunger but hatred, and she stalks them and whistles to lure them away from safety. And the moment they turn their attention towards her, she strikes carrying them off to extract her revenge far from their homes. These details didn't escape the notice of Rio Grande Valley residents, who wondered if perhaps the Owl Witch had placed her terrible curse on their homes. Now, La Lechuza holds a prominent place in Hispanic legend and has equivalents all across the world, even includes the harpies of ancient Greece. The harpies are told of in this of having the face of a woman and the body of giant eagles. They are said to be horrible, screeching creatures that attack men on sight. And many cryptozoologists relate her appearance to that of these ancient creatures of mythology. So it's possible that a creature that has been told of as far back as ancient Greece during the times of the stories of Hercules and Zeus might have some relation to this creature roaming around Texas of modern days. That's pretty cool. Love mythology. Well, here's the myth of the origin of the Owl Witch. It's a very sad story. Oh, great. Well, the tale says that a woman who practiced witchcraft many centuries ago, and when I do say witchcraft, I mean that she was the village healer. So she would mix potions and stuff to help people who were sick and such. And she was a midwife. Okay. Now, her child had been killed by a drunk. And in her grief, she sought a way to reunite with her lost offspring through dark magic. The man was very wealthy, but a drunkard. And she had no way of getting any revenge other than through magic. Naturally... The other locals in her small Mexican community weren't thrilled about this woman practicing the black arts. She hid into her home, and with her magic, she was able to transform into an owl woman and seeked her revenge on the man who killed her daughter. The villagers, discovering that they had a monster within their midst, murdered the old woman But that didn't mean that they were rid of her. Her spirit returned in the form of an owl-woman hybrid to seek revenge on the entire village. Other women, possessed by an uncontrollable desire to gain magical powers, made the oldest deal in the world to gain them. They sold their souls to the devil, and in exchange, they were able to transform into monsters with a bird's body and a woman's face. They then fly across the night sky, searching for prey, searching for drunk men who abused women or were mean to the children of the town. They desperately needed to attack these people to continue on with their incredible powers, the blood of human prey. It is said that the Lachusa are attracted to negative emotions of humans acting as psychic vampires, drawing powers from emotions surrounding human conflict and distress. 
The owl women have been known to appear outside of houses during domestic quarrels, waiting for the man of the house to storm out of the home. Now, it was never said in the previous attack if uh, Alverico was arguing with his wife or not, but if that part of the story had been left out, it might explain that this Lachusa crashed into his house seeking him out. Hmm. When the owl witch finds a suitable target, she will perch in a location where she can't be seen. Then, like other predatory cryptids, she will make noises which acts as a bait for her prey. Most notably, the sound of an infant or young girl crying. Anyone who investigates would likely become La Lachusa's next meal. Dang. The creature will then, like an owl, gets her name from, swoops down and grabs a hold of her unfortunate prey and carries the confused and terrified person back to her nest, where she will pin them down and peck away at her, their prey, tearing them apart slowly until they eventually succumb to their multiple injuries and the blood loss. That's not graphic at all. Viewer discretion is advised. Listening discretion is advised. That's why it's there at the beginning. Now, sometimes the person escapes to awaken in the morning in the desert and discover large scratches on their door or on their windowsills. It means that the Lachusa was there and was coming for them, so they need to prepare accordingly. The only way to defend yourself against a Lechusa, because she is immune to physical attacks and even those of firearms, is that you have to ward off an attack by hanging a rope with seven knots in it outside of your front door or on your front porch. Do you put garlic in this? It doesn't mention any garlic, so she's not, she's not a vampire of Romania. She's not a vampire bat? Not a vampire bat. This is an owl woman. These seven knots shows the creature that you acknowledge and respect it, and that will cause it to leave you alone. If a person sees the creature flying at them, an attack can be repelled with a combination of salt and chili powder if it is thrown into the owl witch's face. Yeah, that'd make me run away. Well, if the salt and chili powder is not handy, a person can always recite a Catholic prayer in Spanish known as the Magnificat or the Canticle of Mary, which is taken from the Gospel of St. Luke where the Virgin Mary is praising the powers of God. And because this is a Mexican folklore, it has to be done in Spanish. I'm out. I don't know any Catholic prayers and I don't speak any Spanish. Poquito, poquito Spanish. <laughs> but you do have one way of defending yourself. Because supposedly there's a strange method of dealing with the witch owl is to simply cuss at her. Oh, I got that. Yeah, it seems that she doesn't like foul language. I've got that. foul being a pun. Foul being a pun. Oh, my God. <laughs> one special addition that I want to make sure I mention is that La Lachusa most unique ability may be that that she can control the weather. Most specifically, storms, much like the legends that are connected to the Thunderbirds. Well, that makes sense. So it is possible that some of the Lachusa's legends are tied into those of the Thunderbirds. 
It is said that attacks are most common during thunderstorms where she herself has summoned. So there's your uh, backstory of why you may never have seen one. That's cool. Helpful. Chapter 7. The Texas Big Bird Draws Blood on January 15, 1976. One week later, on January 15th, a Raymondville resident named Armando Grimaldo experienced the most terrifying encounter to date with this aerial atrocity. When he was sitting outside his home smoking a cigarette one evening, when suddenly he heard some sound of great flapping wings above him, accompanied by an odd whistling noise. Just as he glanced up to find the source of this strange noise, a pair of large, talon-like claws grabbed onto the back of his shoulders. It tore his shirt and sent him crashing to the ground. He was attacked again and again from above by a huge, man-bird-like creature with the same simian face that scratched at him, ripping his shirt and skin. Damn. Grimaldo tried to protect himself, but he couldn't from the unseen creature. All he could manage to do was scramble to his feet and dive under a nearby tree for protection. He stared in horror as the big bird, unable to reach him, gave up and flew away. The neighbors around his home heard his screams and ran over to him as fast as they could to see if he was okay. What they found was him in his backyard shaking and screaming like a child. His clothes were shredded, and he was covered in his own blood. He was later transported to the Williamson County Hospital in a complete state of shock. Doctors did confirm that he sustained deep scratches, most likely caused by some sort of wild animal. Grimaldo couldn't say anything for the rest of that evening. Later, he described his airborne assailant as a soaring, gorilla-faced creature with leathery, black-like skin. Chapter 8, A Flurry of Sightings After this attack and the reports that came out in the media, people started seeing it everywhere. It seems two sisters spotted a big bird at a watering hole in Brownsville on January 18th. Two soldiers had a sighting on a ranch near Pody, Texas the exact same day. And... Two brothers were driving on a rural road in Rio Grande Valley when they saw a bat-winged human standing in the middle of the road, forcing them to slam on their brakes. They were so scared by what they were looking at that they at once put the car in reverse and backed away. The creature lunged forward their car, and at one point it hit the windshield and bounced back out of the road. It was about to attack again, but decided to fly away, leaving the two men survive their encounter. Another story that appeared during that same year was a father and son who went out hunting when the creature came down out of the sky and tried to pick up the father. The son, scared for his father's life, started to shoot at the bird creature. Luckily, the father was able to escape. And also lucky he didn't get shot by the kid. <laughs> Um, then there was an Alex Resendez who claimed to have seen the Big Bird three times during the 1970s. The first two sightings consisted of brief glimpses of the beast over Brownsville, but the third time 
He swore he saw it in broad daylight near his rural McCrook area home. The rancher said that the huge animal had landed not far from him in the cow pasture, and he described the thing as having glassy black eyes underscored by distinctive red markings. But its oddest feature was a beak, which in his own words he described as, You have to look at it closely, because his beak is very transparent. If you see it real fast, you're going to think he ain't got no beak. I never saw a bird that big. He was brownish, like dirt. He does not have long legs and does not stand like other birds. Resendez estimated that the brown bird stood over four feet tall, but before he could inspect it any further, an angry bull charged at the creature. The big bird wasted no time in unfurling its large wings, which much too... The farmer's surprise appeared to have blue and white stripes and took flight. So here we have another description of a beak that is not quite a beak. Right. Because he said it was kind of clear see-through. It almost looked like he didn't have a beak. Huh. There have been tons of reports of pets disappearing and even cattle mutilations during this time period that have all been attributed to the Big Bird of Texas. Chapter 9, The Reward and a Challenge At one point, the fever over this giant bird was so great that everyone from local radio station owners to even oil tycoons were offering a substantial reward of $1,000 for the capture of the avian monster. Hunters from all over came to the Rio Grande area in droves, Many people were getting nervous and angry as, if this creature did exist, it would most likely be an endangered species. As the frenzy surrounding this phenomenon peaked, an Ed Dutch, the commission officer of the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, feared that the would-be monster hunters might mistakenly shoot and kill large, rare, protected birds, announced that the birds, whatever it was, either an owl witch or a thunderbird, was protected by state and federal law. Nice. Good old Texas. Well, according to him, quote, we have a number of species of birds that do exist in South Texas in the Valley area. Many of them have wingspans up to almost 10 feet, and some of them are on the rare and endangered species list. The punishment for catching a protected bird would cost a hunter $5,000. So, kind of not worth the $1,000 reward to get fined $5,000 for killing a Very true. endangered bird. And as all of this was going on, just 100 miles away this, in the city of San Antonio, stories was going on in South Texas. Zoologists of that area believe that these stories we're reading were just sensational reports of misidentifications of Texas wildlife birds. One zoologist even claimed that the only way he would take the reports of the Texas big bird seriously would be if the big bird visited San Antonio itself. Many found that his challenge to be hilarious, but soon that joke would become a reality. Challenge was accepted. <laughs> because of course. The, yeah. Because in the next month, in February of 1976, 
newspaper coverage from the San Antonio Evening News documented another sighting by three South San Antonio school teachers. Ah, well, that's believable. Well, you would think they would be credible witnesses. The San Antonio Southside District teachers were driving separate automobiles all at the same time on an isolated road when they spotted two enormous birds with wingspans of 15 to 20 feet. One of the teachers said that the creature was as big as a Piper Cub aircraft and resembled a pterodon that once soared the skies 160 million years ago. Wow. The big bird was said to have a huge bony breastplate and glided more than it flew. A reporter reached out to the then director of the San Antonio Zoo, Louis Di Sabato, who discounted the pterodon theory. He stated that there's nothing in today's Texas that would be like that. I know of nothing that looks like that, but I sure would like two of them for the zoo. The zoo director said that the birds would need a 10-foot long wings to have a wingspan of 20 feet. And although there are some awfully big seabirds that glide on the wind currents, and there are some very large condors, they are don't exist in Bear County. Southside officials instructed the teachers not to discuss the sightings on school time for fear of scaring the students of the schools. Understandable. But the report was in the newspaper and pretty much became the talk of the area. <laughs> of course. Chapter 10, The Jaburo. Just as the hype was surrounding the creature was hitting the highest point, wildlife authorities found and captured a bird known as the Jaburo in the same area. The Jaburo is a species of Central American stork capable of growing to the heights of roughly 5 feet and does have a wingspan of 10 feet when in flight. I would love to see that. Not get near it, just love to see it. Wow. And did they get charged the $5,000 fine for capturing it? Well, it was spotted. Oh, And it was spotted by the uh, wildlife authorities. This animal, however, is white in plumage, and it does have a featherless head that is black in color with vibrant red markings on its neck. If people were encountering this jabru in the dark, it is possible to see how its size and posture might have resulted in reports of a stork-like monster with glowing red eyes. And here is a picture of what a jabru looks like. They're kind of cute. They just look like our birds. Yes, but this is normally found in Central America, so it was kind of not normally seen in Texas, so it might be why it was strange or thought to be a monster in texas yeah this combined with video footage of a large blue heron which was passed off on a local news program as a genuine footage of the creature led many to surmise that the whole big bird fad was nothing more than non-indigenous birds being misidentified by over-eager eyewitnesses oh like that doesn't ever happen mm-hmm. yes so was it a blue heron was it a jaburo Most of the people started siding with that. However, some aspects of these explanations didn't sit well with the public, even amongst the skeptics. Neither the blue heron or the jaburo is nocturnal, and the sightings of these creatures occurred almost exclusively at night. 
One does not need to be trained to recognize the difference between a bird's beak and a primate's face. In addition, the bird that allegedly attacked several witnesses, with at least one man receiving medical treatment for his lacerations, didn't match up with either of the behaviors of these birds. So I don't have to be scared of them? Of a blue heron or a jaburro? Yeah. Well, they don't normally attack people. Okay. Now, they're wild animals, so you should stay away from any and all such as that. Well, I know our sandhill cranes like to come close. Yes, and you should stay away from they're, them. They're scary. Well, they're huge. I'm scared of them. They just want to hug, and I don't no, want No, they them. don't want to hug. That's what they're acting like. They do not want to Goldie and I will guarantee you that they do not want to hug. I'm not saying I would hug it. Yes, you are. I would run away. They're big. They're big, but so stay away. They're scary. Okay. Okay. We agree on that? No hugging. No hugging. Okay. We have a no hug rule here. Okay. In closing, by 1979, San Antonio saw no more of the Thunderbirds, leaving many witnesses to wonder what they had witnessed. While San Antonio's academic community concluded that the Thunderbird signs were just misidentified wildlife, many of the witnesses disagreed with that conclusion. Although it's been years since the big bird flap of 1976, there are still San Antonians who will report sights of the giant bird in the sky to this very day. One of the San Antonio's best cryptozoologists in the field for researching winged cryptids is cryptozoologist Ken Gerhard. And while the big bird mystery remains unsolved, it is worth noting that there is no recognized bird either native to Texas or anywhere else that can claim a 20-foot wingspan. There are creatures in the past that ruled the skies for nearly 200 million years before they supposedly disappeared into extinction. How did Native Americans identify birds that looked so much like these creatures? And why do modern-day people, educated people, still see them? All in all, the bird sightings of 1976 is truly indeed a hidden history. Many citizens are still unaware that these events even happened, and one can only hope that the mystery behind this event will one day be solved. But until then, this big bird of Texas, and not the big bird of Sesame Street, will remain a mystery for quite some time. Nice. The next time you hear the thunder on a dark and stormy night, you might consider the possibility it is a witch turned into an enormous giant owl. So I would recommend cutting back on the drinking and the fighting. So Goldian, what are some of your final opinions? Um, I'm still scared of birds. <clears throat> of course, if I saw anything that big, I mean, no doubt I would not get anywhere near it. I would definitely run away in the other direction. I mean, I run away from littler birds in the other direction. There you go. So what do you think? Do you think it sounds more like the owl witch or a pterodactyl or thunderbird? No, no, I'm kind of going with the owl witch. All because of the history, the Spanish history put forth. I mean, most of the sightings were made, you know, down. In the same area that the stories came from? So I'm thinking maybe it might be an owl witch. Well, I think it's kind of neat that there's a possibility that this is a case of two cryptids affecting the exact same legend. Yeah. 
What if it is an owl witch and a thunderbird, a prehistoric pterodactyl? It's possible that with all these sightings, we're actually talking about two distinct cryptids. True. One being a supernatural woman turned into an owl and the other one being a creature that's supposedly extinct that might still be around. Right. Of course, it also could be misidentified birds. <laughs> so, True. so you can go any way you want with this story, which is great, which is my favorite kind of uh, crypto story. Right. You can either believe or not believe. In either regards, it's fun to talk about. Yeah. Now, before we go, I want to remind everyone that we are on social media and would love to hear your stories and opinions about the Texas Big Bird. Do you believe that a giant bird that is able to affect the weather is flying the skies of the Lone Star State? Let us know. You can reach us on our Facebook page, Within the Mist Podcast. We are also on Instagram and Twitter. Plus, we have an email at withinthemistpodcast at gmail.com for any of you who would like to share your stories with us. We hope you enjoyed our tale of the Texas Big Bird, and we'll come again for another episode. Until then, watch the night skies a little more closely and remain constantly curious. Goodbye, everybody. See you next time.